If you've ever seen a large creator at an event, you know that they don't travel alone. They have got camera people, they've got sound people, they meticulously deliver their lines, and the team of editors edit their videos. Now, don't get me wrong, we appreciate the good quality of work that they put out there, but in reality, that's not really our reality. So today we're speaking to two creators who have managed to work out what they need to focus on in order to save time and really produce amazing content and grow their channel. If you want to know what those tips and tricks are so that you can do it on your channel, this is the show for you. Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. All right, welcome to another episode of Tube Talk. My name is Liron Segev. I am a tech blogger, a YouTuber just like you, and the director of customer success here at vidIQ, where every day I help creators, big and small, really understand their strategy, understand their YouTube, get more subscribers in less time. And today I am very excited to be joined by Jeff from El Jefe Reviews. Hello, Jeff. Uh, pretty good, man. How you doing? Excellent. Thank you for being here. And I've got the one and only Travis MCP. Travis, how you doing, man? Hey, hey, doing well, doing well. Excellent, excellent. All right, guys, so before we kind of get going, and I just want to kind of the audience to get a picture of what you guys are doing, where you're at. So, Jeff, I don't know if you want to get started. Give us like the, the tweet version of who is El Jefe Reviews? What do you do on your channel? How big is your channel? Go for it. Uh, so basically on YouTube, um, you know, it's in the tech genre, but I like doing audio products, reviewing audio products. So, uh, you know, headphones, earbuds, uh, Bluetooth speakers, you know, and stuff like that, especially like true wireless earbuds as well. Just like the latest that's, uh, up and coming in technology. So that's really the niche that I'm in right now. Um, so far doing pretty well. Um, I think I'm just under 13,000 subscribers as of today. So, uh, nice. we're, we're making it happen. You know, things are going well, channels growing and, uh, I'm, I'm excited, man. Sounds awesome. How long have you been doing YouTube for? Um, coming up on my two year anniversary in about a month. Beautiful. And, and did you take it seriously from day one or are you one of those kind of, I've had my channel for a while, but I've only really been focusing lately. Uh, I mean, I, I took it serious from day one, but I kind of had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> And I'm still learning as I go along, but um, yeah, it was a slow start. I, I knew I wanted to do it. I just had no idea what I was doing. So, And, and that's a good enough answer, right? Yeah. <laughs> Over to you, mate. Tell us your tweet. Who is Travis in a tweet? Um, it's like the, the meaning of life. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I try to take, uh, I try to do tech with a, with a little bit of humor and just try to have fun. Uh, I mean, everyone else has the cool B-roll and all the other things like that. I just inject my personality first and foremost and, and talk about tech. Cool. And tell me about your channel. How many subs, how long you've been doing it? When did you take so, it seriously? Yeah. So, um, um, I, I took it pretty seriously. I, I had a, a kind of a dead YouTube channel for a long time, uh, that I wasn't doing anything with. I just throw up, you know, random videos that I didn't want to put on Facebook. And then January, uh, very late January of 2018 and really kind of into February is when I really started taking it seriously. And uh, probably by the time most people hear this, I would have just surpassed 30,000 uh, subscribers. Great. So two different channels. I mean, you, you, we're all kind of in the tech space, but we're doing things. Everybody's got their own personality. Everybody does it their, their way. So Jeff, kind of, why did you do YouTube? Why did you choose YouTube over like, Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn? Was there a specific reason? Uh, I mean, mostly, you know, well, 
it, it wasn't strategic in a sense of like, this is where all the traffic is. Um, it was more of, I was doing, you know, like reviewing just random products like on Amazon and different things like that. And I wasn't getting any sort of feedback. I wasn't getting any sort of interaction, no community interaction. And I figured, you know what, I, I can start my own channel and tell things the way that I want to tell them and hopefully, you know, build a community that way. So that's sort of what led me to YouTube and to start there. And, and Travis, side reasoning or such slightly different? Well, I, I interestingly, um, I had a pretty successful mixed martial arts podcast about uh, seven or eight years ago or something like that, um, that I did for a long time. It was, it was pretty successful and uh, I really enjoyed it, but I, I kind of got stressed out by it mainly because I was putting so much pressure on myself. So I took a couple of years off. Um, it took a lot longer than I thought it would take. Um, and I always kind of wanted to do YouTube. It was always on my radar, but um, when I finally decided to really give it a, a real go, you know, I just really researched what works and what doesn't um, because I was self-taught on, on podcasting. I just had to kind of figure it out. And I just, I knew that um, I, I think one time about a year and a half before I started now, I tried to bring one of my old podcasts over to YouTube just by, you know, doing the same thing and then trying on YouTube and it didn't work. I only tried it for like two months. And uh, I was like, that didn't work. So I gave up on YouTube for what I thought was forever. But then when I came, when I, I watched a video by one of my, one of the creators I love to watch and he talked about how he had gotten 10,000 subscribers in a year. And I realized, wow, that sounds like, that's amazing that it can still be done. I was convinced that it couldn't be done anymore, that you couldn't get a good number of subscribers in a short amount of time anymore. I thought it was over. When I realized that, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to dig in and give this a go and, and see, where, see where it takes me. Okay, so inspired by somebody else, which is, I suppose, what we're hoping to do with these podcasts on Cheap Talk, get other people to realize that it's, it's simply not too late. Do you guys agree with that? I mean, a lot of industries, a lot, a lot of niches are too saturated. We hear this all the time saying, I'd love to do tech reviews. Too many people are doing it. I'd love to do car reviews. Too many people are doing that. There's too many people doing everything. Is it too late for somebody to get started in 2019? I would say no. Um, based, I mean, I understand where people have that um, that mentality of the market being oversaturated in whatever genre they want to get into. But the key fee, the key factor is is that we all have our own voice, our own personality, and our own story and spin on things. So there is no other Travis. There is no other Leron. There's no other El Jefe or Jeff. You know, so it's it's definitely not too late. So you think just uh, find your voice and just do it as yeah. Nike says before we get sued. Um, Travis, <laughs> for, for, from you, I mean, do you obviously speak to a lot of creators and do you hear that as well, that it's kind of a saturated platform? Like I said, you know, when, when I, it was only a year, just over a year ago, I was convinced that it was impossible. I really was genuinely convinced. But learning what I've learned, what I, you know, knowing what I now know, uh, no, it's not too late. Literally, like there's channels all the time that come out of nowhere and kind of blow up. Um, and it, it's totally possible. Uh, it's not easy, but it's totally possible. Okay, so that's the big point. Yes. So I think a lot of creators and a lot of people think that they look at this YouTube thing and they see all these people getting these free products and going on free trips and they, they hey, hey, I want to be part of that. Uh, people yeah. do have this unrealistic expectation of what YouTube is and how much work you got to put into that. So that's why I'm glad I've got you guys on here 
I want to hear from the people doing it in the trenches. You know, if you've got a 10 million subscribers, or you've got 5 million subscribers, typically you have a team of people. You've got editors, you've got creators, you've got people doing the grunt work. But we're doing it ourselves. Do you think that YouTube, the people coming into YouTube maybe have a bit of an unrealistic expectation of just the amount of work that's required? Jeff, what do you think? Um, yeah, I, I would say so because that's sort of the mentality that I ha- had as well. Like, I mean, I'm not incredibly naive or anything like that, but there's a lot more to it than I had any idea. I just assumed that it was as simple as recording your video, uploading to YouTube, and that's it. Like, you know, not even worried about thumbnails or titling or search engine optimization or the structure of video. Like I had nothing, you know, and and there's all these things that kind of go into it if you're serious about growing. And just like Travis said, it can definitely be done. It is not easy, but it it is work and you have to work at it, especially just as an independent creator. You're doing everything. You're doing all the roles. It's essentially a business. I mean, and you're the business owner. And with every business, there is expenses. And with every business, there's marketing. And with every business, there's accounting and tax years and all that good stuff. YouTube is a business. And if we treat it that way, I think that's kind of a better way to look at YouTube versus, hey, I slap a bunch of videos together and look, people are going to send me overseas. It just mm-hmm. simply that, that doesn't really happen. Travis, was there any specific like turning point where you kind of did some videos, you, you, you felt around it a little bit, and then you said, wow, okay, I think I'm getting it. Was there a like a aha moment, or are you kind of still figuring it out? There's, a, I mean, there's there's constant different types of moments that I that I come across. Um, I think I, when I when I said okay, I'm going to try to do this YouTube thing, I wasn't entirely sure what I was going to do it on. Um, I did uh, like a tech one tech review, and then I did a couple of things that were not exactly tech-ish, just kind of other things. And I noticed that the, the one thing I did a tech review on did well. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to be a tech channel. That's what I'm going to do. Um, so then I started, you know, reviewing a bunch of things. And then um, I, uh, yeah, actually there's been several the aha moments when things kind of start changing. And my channel went f- from more reviewing products to then kind of just discussing what's going on. Both have their pros and cons, um, you know, commentary versus straight reviews. And um, I think there's constant evolution, like every so often there'll be a new, oh, I figured it out. Oh, I figured it uh-huh. out. Yes. I mean, it, it happens like at least once a month. But, um, I, you know, I would say that just being open to everything and just really, you know, trying to stay humble about everything and really just understanding that you don't know everything is probably the biggest aha I've ever gotten. <laughs> and, and that makes sense because the platform keeps changing the algorithm keeps changing. What's required keeps changing. And there's the people that you hang out with just keep on, keep on changing it. So, of course, you've got to adapt all the time. And, um, Jeff, you kind of picked a very specific niche. And, we, and, and we've all mentioned the word niche and industry a couple of times. How did you identify your niche? And how did you identify that tech but focusing on audio is going to be better than just general tech stuff? Um, I think it's, it's personal, you know, to an extent as well. It, it does seem to work for me, but uh, what helped is that I already liked this stuff. Like I already liked listening to music, such a big part of my life and, um, you know, checking out headphones and different things like that. And it sort of worked. 
And they were, you know, obviously I was having a lot of um, vendors trying to send me headphones to review. So that sort of worked out. But it was also like what, you know, you guys had mentioned about having an aha moment when I started doing some of the headphone reviews, they did better, you know, exponentially better than my other videos. And I remember hearing, I think it was, I don't know if it was Nick Nimmin or if it was Brian G or Sean Connell. I can't remember which one of them was talking about niching down, focusing your channel more into a specific niche to help with growth, which is what I decided to sort of go full force in and started doing more headphones, more earbuds, more Bluetooth speakers, and just getting into the audio niche. And that has been a good move for me. And um, it isn't just based on growth, but it's also based on the fact that I love listening to music all day. So it lends really well to it. I think, yeah, I think the, the kind of the love for what you do really plays a big part. And um, I don't know how you guys kind of see it out there, but I've seen a lot of channels who grow, you know, they're trying to ride the latest trend. Oh, Fortnite, I better do that. Oh, Apex Legends, I better do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people are talking about the trending topics, but it, it doesn't last. You, you're going to really struggle if it's not your passion, if it's not what you absolutely love. So you've mentioned, Jeff, that, that kind of audio was always your love and you just happened to marry the two worlds and that's worked out beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, Travis, the same for you. Is kind of tech always been your thing that you wanted kind of to share with the world or did you kind of stumble upon it and realize you're really good at it and people are responding? Well, it, it was mainly because I was buying a lot of tech anyway. Um, when I started to kind of think, well, what could I do? What kind of subject would I do my, my channel about after I realized you actually need to niche down? Like once I figured that out, I'm like, oh crap, now I need to figure out what mm-hmm. do I need to make a channel about? And I started looking around, I'm like, I just have so much tech. I, I love it. I love, you know, reading about it. I love talking about it. So it just seemed like a really easy, I mean, it just came together. It, it made a lot of sense. So um, yeah, I just went that way. Okay. Uh, but you still, but you, you love doing it. It's, it's Oh yeah. 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 And you know, I think there's, there's still some things that I, that I miss doing. Um, the, the problem with YouTube and I don't know, I, I guess it's, it's just something it's, it's the rules of the game. Um, and I know Jeff knows this, especially mm-hmm. like you try to take any kind of step out of the niche that you've, you've made for yourself. It, you know, you, mm-hmm. you don't get traction at all. And so one of the things is definitely a tip is like when you are deciding what you're going to niche down on, make sure it's something you can do for a very long time. Because if you are a cooking channel and you do cooking and everything seems to work great. And then like three months down the road, you want to blog about how you're going to have a baby. Like you're not getting any views on it. It's just, it just doesn't work that way, especially not at the beginning. Um, It's just difficult to stay in your niche. So there's things that I used to do that I built my channel on a lot of reviews and stuff that if I try to go back to them now that I've kind of made a minor pivot, it would be difficult to, to get the same traction as I did before. So I miss some of that. I'm still going to do some of that, but keeping that in mind that, you know, the way the algorithm works and the way all this stuff actually functions is that it, it tries to put you into like a narrow field and you'll get more successful if you stay in that field. But I think us, we as humans need vari- a little bit more variety than, than um, you know, what YouTube would like want us to have, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and YouTube hates variety because it doesn't know how to help you. It loves it when you do one thing because it can then find an audience for you. Mm-hmm. When you do two or three, four things, now it wants to help you, it just simply cannot. How do you guys kind of define or, or more look at a how-to channel versus an entertainment channel? 
from a subscriber point of view? I, I think like how to's are great and they're, they're definitely a way to get a lot of views, but it's very difficult to get subscribers off of those views. And the reason I say that is because I think to myself, how many millions of times I've needed to do something around the house. I quickly look up how to do it on YouTube and then I never see that channel again. Yep. I agree completely. I'll do the same thing for like automotive repair or um, just same thing, like just repairing things around the house. Like I had to replace some parts inside the tank of my toilet the other day. And now as a, as a creator, I subscribe to the channel, but had I done that years ago, I would have just watched the video and kept on moving. And funny enough, the how to unblock your toilet is always the, the, the example <laughs> I go to. Because once you know how to unblock, unblock your toilet, well, please, God, you'll never have to touch this channel ever again because your toilet's unblocked. Um, oh. But when you do your search, you're going to see three, four, five videos. Choose the one that you want and actually go and do it. Mm-hmm. So any tips for someone who does how-to videos or like, you know, on my channel, I do lots of that. I do lots of how-tos. What would you give me as an advice, knowing kind of your experience in the field, what's be a good way to get some subscribers and to get them to stick around for the next video? Oh, I think it would be key to really lean into your personality and stand out above the rest of the other 900 million repair videos that are just going to be monotone and fact to fact and getting it done but lean into your, into your personality, try to be funny, try to be engaging. And uh, if you can even ask questions so that you can get some engagement in the comment section. Um, and that way people can be like, Hey, you know what? I like this guy. I'll come back and watch more of his stuff, you know? Okay. Nice. Javis, any tips for, for, for me? <laughs> I mean, that's gotta be what it is. It literally has to be personality and you have to, you have to, I mean, you have to kind of put it in really early because again, people are going to, look for the answer and then generally speaking, leave uh, unless you're giving extra value or a reason to watch another video. I think the only way you can do it is some type of, uh, I don't want to call it a trap, but that's kind of what it is where you give like the answer to the question of the video, but then also give them something to encourage them to watch another video. And then hopefully through those, through that time that they get to watch you, they, they end up liking your style. Um, it's a very difficult type of niche to, like I said, it's easy to get a lot of views. You just do your SEO. You're going to get a lot of views, but to get them to subscribe and then even more so uh, to get them to, to watch uh, even after they've subscribed, I think is, is a challenge, but um, you definitely have a, it's strong in views. So if you're looking for to do a how to out to channel um, I mean, it's, it's great if you want to get a lot of views. And I think that the smart play is for SEO and just make sure you do like Jeff said, make sure you're, you're showing your personality as much as you can. Uh-huh. If you think about it, that's what Peter McKinnon did. Um, he did his vlogging style, didn't take traction. Nobody really cared. Everybody's got their own problems. Then he did a couple of videos of how-tos and a couple of Tech Tip Tuesdays, or was it Two Minute Tuesdays, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, two Minute Tuesdays, people then didn't care about him, but they cared about learning those tips. But his personality came through and then eventually said, hey, you know what? I like this guy. What else has he got? And then eventually he pivoted to just being Peter and that his channel really, really kind of blew up. So those are great tips. So be yourself, bring your own voice, don't be the same as everybody else, and then kind of engage the audience more and more and start building that kind of that community. Um, how important is that community anyway? I mean, both from a comment section and other creators. Do we care about other creators? Are they not competition? What do you guys think? 
Well, I mean, Jeff and I, uh, I mean, if you really believe that there's such thing as competition, it would be Jeff and I, which, you know, we both do a lot of headphone reviews. He, he definitely does a lot more than I do. But that when I, when I first met Jeff, I was, you know, I was in the thick of doing a bunch of headphone reviews and you could consider that quote unquote uh, competition, but I don't, I consider it a peer. And Jeff ended up becoming a friend, which is great because when I was, before I met Jeff, it, you know, YouTube is one of the craziest experiences because you end up doing videos for hundreds or potentially thousands of people. And it's very lonely. It's, it can be incredibly lonely. And uh, Jeff really was awesome in inviting me into uh, a group of other creators that he was already friends with and uh, introducing me to people that I probably wouldn't have had a, you know, a really good opportunity to meet. And now I have a, a, a group of great friends um, that are creators that know kind of the struggle and you can kind of share tips and, it, it made a huge difference. That was a big, big change in how I created and, and what the experience was like was after, you know, I, I met some creator friends. So I, I don't think there's really any kind of competition. I mean, I could go practically with it and just say, well, you know, how often is someone just watching one YouTube video and then not another, you know, it's, it's pretty, right. it's pretty rare. Right. I mean, you're going to watch something else. So uh, I don't consider there to be competition per se. I think there's just opportunity for, for great partnerships. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And it's the same thing. Um, even before, you know, having met Travis, it was a thing where I spent the better part of the first year doing YouTube completely, you know, by myself with the exception of a few conversations that I had with um, JD from JD's tech TV. And um, once I got into Twitter and really went heavy into there, found a bunch of other creators and started joining people's communities in their comment section on their channels. Um, and then, you know, in the end, I think that's how we end up, end up hooking up with Travis as well amongst everybody else. Um, having people to talk to, to bounce ideas off of, uh, or even just to commiserate with on some of the struggles that we go through as creators is incredibly helpful because, most people and that we encounter in our daily lives, what, you know, Laron or, or Travis have no idea what this is like. <laughs> yes, that's, that, that's very true. And again, if you think about it, YouTube views aren't finite. In other words, not everybody gets a thousand views a day and I've got to decide, do I give it to Travis or to give it to Jeff? I can yeah. watch Travis's videos and then watch Jeff's videos and each one gets a view. So this notion of competition needs to kind of be rethought. Your mindset needs to change. It's not competitors. These are the people who are going to help you in whatever niche you happen to be. They're going to help you get, because they've already done their, been there, done that, got the shirt, printed the shirt, sold the merch. And those are the people, those are your peers. They're the ones going to tell you, avoid this rather do that. Why, why not uh, kind of be part of it as opposed to isolating yourself and then going at it full stick? Where, where, where do you guys think are, is a good place to kind of find your community? Um, you've mentioned Twitter is a good one. Is Facebook one? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, people do Facebook groups. I know I, I joined a couple of them, but I'm not very active on Facebook. Instagram is huge for creators as well. Mm -hmm. um, personally, I prefer Twitter because um, it, it, to me, it feels like there are far more creators on Twitter and you have access to everyone all the right. time. Um, which is a good and a bad thing, obviously, <laughs> but you know, it's just one of those things where it seems like we're able to be, um, have a better community, have better conversations. And any tips to kind of reaching out to another creator? You know, if somebody's coming new, they're new on the scene, 
how does one kind of make that first move? Uh, it's, it's almost like dating. Like, you know, somebody has to make that first move. And uh, how do you make that move without sounding creepy, stalkerish, and saying, hey, hello, I'm here. I do need some help. But I, that can't be your opening line, surely. Yeah, it can't be sub for sub, though, right, Travis? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, that's not a good thing. Ouch, ouch. I felt uh, that. No, but, but there, there is um, etiquette to it. Um, I did make a video on it, which didn't get a bunch of views, obviously, because it's not, you know, in my niche, Mm -hmm. but it's, um, like, well, with me and Travis, you know, just for a quick story, the way me and Travis met, what we were both in the chat of one of Flossie Carter's live streams and we started kind of chit-chatting back and forth. And then I checked out his channel and subscribed and kind of started popping up in his comment sections and then he did the same. And that's sort of how that all worked out. And then we exchanged emails. Nice. Um, but you know, if it's a creator who's starting out, you know, maybe they kind of want to hook up with other, other creators first and foremost, find people in your same niche. Like, don't just go after, you know, the, the top 10 creators in tech, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's just one of the things, find people that are, you know, in your niche, you know, preferably you want to speak with people that are more accessible, usually smaller creators. Um, and by that, I mean, usually anybody under a hundred K and mm-hmm. You know, just, you know, reach out, join their communities in their comment section, leave comments on the videos. And that way they kind of get to know who you are. They see you in the comment section, stuff like that. Then you can approach them after that. And they already know who you are. It's not just like a cold, you know, email from a guy I never heard of asking me to collab with them. You know? Yep. Makes sense. Travis, any tips on your side for reaching out? Yeah. So I've done a lot of collabs with uh, much larger creators and it's not really as hard as you might think. I think the biggest, um, the biggest tip I can give for something like that, and it's super simple in thought, but an execution might take a little time, is to have a plan in place for what it is that you're, you're asking for. And what's worked for me is to not only have like an exact explanation of what I needed from them, but to make it as easy on them as possible. Um, I try to, when I do collabs with, with, um, like really large creators, I know their time is very, very crunched. So, you know, I'll say, listen, I I would love to have you, um, like I did one with Mr. Who's the boss, who's, um, you know, a really huge tech YouTuber and, and I knew the video portion would be very difficult. So I just asked for a voiceover I've done with Mr. Mobile where he was already on site. Um, at uh, you know Google event, and I said, "Listen, I don't need anything. I don't need you to take your big cameras out. I don't need anything beautifully produced. Just shoot it on the phone. You're already going to be on. That'd be amazing." He was able to do that, so I just make it easier for them. And uh, you know, ex- and of course, what's the value they get from me? You know, I I don't know, but um, you know, I think that they again, kind of like Jeff, if they if they see that you're in the community and stuff, and that you're you know you're out there not just being a sub for sub guy or something, but really they're supporting them. They're much more likely to say, okay, yeah, no problem. I just try to make it as easy as possible for the person that I'm reaching out to. Okay. And, that, and that's great. That's a great kind of segue into kind of what do you offer? Cause we often hear that where a smaller channel might say, Hey, I'd like to work with a bigger channel and, and the size is irrelevant. I mean, it's kind of whether it's 10,000, you know, if you've got 300, 10,000 is huge. If you've got 10,000 subscribers and a hundred thousand is huge. So whatever the number is, but people always say, well, I'm smaller. He doesn't need my, he or she doesn't need my audience. What value can I offer them? And why would they collab? What do you guys think about that? What do you, how do you counter that? You know, I think, I think the way that I was able to get some of these to work. So uh, I'm trying to remember the exact 
timing, but I like to build off of previous things. So um, I would, one of my first collabs, my very first collab was with Jeff, ironically. Um, Mm -hmm. But, and a lot of people know Jeff, even larger creators know Jeff. So (laughs) I kind of like built off of him to do another creator and then went from like him to like Jonathan Morrison. And then now I can use, Hey, I've collabed with Jonathan Morrison and Mr. Mobile. Okay. Now Mr. Mobile and Jonathan. Now I go to uh, Mr. Who's the boss and I go, I've collabed with Jonathan Morrison and Mr. And now I have three. So I just used, you know, my experience. If I don't have anything specifically, like I'm saying, like I have anything to offer them, like, hey, I'll edit your next video or something. If I don't have anything like that, then I need to do some type of social proof, which in this case was, here's some other respected people in the niche that have collabed with me. And, you know, you can, if you want to check a reference, I don't think most people are, but at the very (laughs) least you can see that I'm out there and I'm not, you know, just making something up. And just by doing that, I mean, it's just been easy and I've I've never gotten a no yet, which is amazing. Um, so I think that for now, like I'm good. I think I'm pretty much good from this point forward. Um, but if I were to do it all over again, I would do something similar. I collab with someone who was my size and then I just, again, exactly. And that's, I think that's really huge. Yeah. Uh, I think you have to bring them value, you know, also in a sense where, um, you know, I think a lot of people think collab like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just starting out. I have to get my face and stuff and uh, right. I have to get myself on a channel on a much larger channel. And I think it'd be more valuable and more likely to work if you invite the the other person to your channel and introduce nice. them to your audience um, to at least break the ice. And then if they decide that they want to invite you to their channel and introduce right. you to their much larger audience, then it's up to them. So not just waiting for that shout out as people are dying to get. We, we all know the Casey Neistat kind of effect, as I call it, where he shouts yeah. out a channel and that channel just blows up. That those are rare and far and few between, but yeah. the day-to-day work still needs to be done. Right. Uh, and you have to have a similar niche to Casey right. or whoever the large creator is, because if your content doesn't align with their audience, of course, a lot of those people could end up leaving in waves. Like, let's say if I could tell myself something like when I was just starting out advice that I wish I would have gotten mm. um, first would have been something that I'm still struggling with, but I'm trying to be better about is being intentional in what I'm doing. So, you know, and to aid myself in doing that is basically uh, knowing exactly what it is that I want to say and what emotion I want to convey before I start recording the video. And that way, when the video comes out, the title, the thumbnail, and the feel of the video are all in alignment and it's all very intentional about what I'm trying to convey across. Um, That and the other tip would be to do your very best to stay consistent you know, keep uploading those videos. Keep that focus. Yeah. Keep that channel focus. Uh, Travis, yourself? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, it's just um, continuing to, to dive the, the metrics to figure out why certain things work and why certain things don't and uh, try to, to bring value to people so that they want to share. Um, I think like the next big thing for me is to get people to share me so that uh, the growth can continue. And I think that really should go for anyone. And Jeff makes a great point about intentionality. And we, Jeff and I talk about this a lot is trying to be intentional with either titles, thumbnails, and videos themselves. It does make a difference when you're just kind of going into a video and then making a video and then putting it out, but you haven't thought about it from front to end before you even hit record. Um, it's not going to do as well. It just doesn't. It just generally doesn't. Um, your chances of, of being successful or, or multiplied when you actually take the time to try to do something specific in your video, whether it be entertain, educate or whatever. So mm-hmm. definitely always going to double and triple down on that. Mm-hmm. 
And do you guys script your videos um, or do you just do bullet points or do you just kind of speak off the top of your head and hope to remember everything? Yeah, I uh, I just go off the top of my head and I need to do a lot more outlining. I, I don't think I'll ever script, but um, I do hmm, I do think I need to uh, do some better, some more outlines more often for sure. Yeah, I, I tried scripting for a while and I sounded like a robot for a good <laughs> section of 2017. Um, and it really alienated people. So I went to, um, bullet points Mm -hmm. and basically talking through the videos prior to recording, but it's mostly basically, you know, I'll have my points on, you know, like on a notepad and I'll make sure I hit those points, but basically just literally just a subject. Like, let's say I'll just write battery life and then I'll just basically go on, you know, talk about the battery life of whatever product I'm reviewing. So just a bullet point about each one and then just talk, you know, off the top of my head, it comes out much more naturally mm-hmm. and I think it flows better. Yeah. And it doesn't make you feel stressed. Like what's my next point? What, what do I lead into? Um, what, what, how do I kind of go from point A to point B? You're not stressing yourself out. You're giving yourself all this room, but without sounding like a robot, without reading a teleprompter, which is a skill all unto itself. So, those are some great, uh, great tips. Be intentional, be focused, make sure everything kind of gels together from titles, thumbnails, description, tags, content of the video. Everything has one purpose. And that purpose also should line with what your channel is all about is what I'm hearing you guys say. Yeah. So as we wrap up, I've got a, this is my put you on the spot trick question state. Jeff, we're going to start with you. If you starting new today, and all you had was your camera and your phone, and you had $100, what would you spend it on? Oh, for gear or for whatever. something to make a video with? Well, whatever, whatever you feel is $100 worth spending starting a channel, what would you go with? Um, if all I had was my phone, then 100 bucks, I would probably get one of these like uh, cheapy tripods, a $20 lavalier mic to improve my audio because that's so important. And maybe a small like thirty dollar light to kind of get things going. So all you can get all of those for under a hundred bucks. All right, Travis. Same question. So you've got a slight advantage. You know the question. Same question to you. Hundred bucks. You got your phone in your pocket. You're starting your channel. What do you spend it on? Uh, pretty easy for me. Um, I would definitely use it on lighting and and some type of uh, microphone, whether it be a shotgun or a lav. I use a lav personally. Uh, without good lighting or and without good sound, you're you're setting yourself up for failure. Uh, people don't like to to not be able to hear what's going on, and certainly they don't come to YouTube to not be able to see what's going on. So uh, you definitely need those two, and you could I would spend the money on those two for sure. Okay, so now follow up question, starting with Travis first this time. Now same scenario, you're starting a YouTube channel, you got your phone, but this time you have a thousand dollars to spend. What do you spend it on? So I, I mean, I did start my channel with my, or yeah, I did start my channel with my phone. So um, the the all the first you know bit of money went to uh, Mike Light, and then when I had you know the money to spend, I then got uh, a DSLR camera. So between those three, that's where I would end up. Is uh, still the lighting, it's still the mic first, maybe a better mic, and certainly better lighting, and um, some type of uh, either DSLR or mirrorless camera. Jeff. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty much in full agreement with Travis as far as that goes. Um, and I just like just like him, I started my channel and ran my channel from a cell phone for a long time, uh, and recently upgraded to DSLR. But if I had a thousand dollars and I was just starting out, um, 
Yeah, I think I would probably try to get something, you know, in that in a budget camera mirrorless type range around 500 bucks and then make sure that you spend uh, a good chunk of it on some decent audio, a good mic and um, and some decent lighting to make sure that you have all those bases covered. Sounds like a good advice to me. So as we wrap up, this is the plug yourself um, section of the podcast. Uh, Jeff, tell us where we can find you. Go for it. Uh, mainly the YouTube channel. So it's El Jefe Reviews or youtube.com slash C slash El Jefe Reviews. And that's Jefe with a J, not an H. And it's all at El Jefe Reviews for Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. But I'm mostly found on Twitter. And Travis, plugmyself.com time. Go for it. It's uh, everything Travis MCP. So Twitter, YouTube, uh, Instagram, uh, pretty easy to find me. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's about it. Travis MCP. Fantastic. Thank you guys. I appreciate your time. Thanks for hanging out, sharing your stories with us. Really great to kind of chat with people who are doing it for themselves. You guys, thank you for listening and hanging out with us. All the show notes will have links to Travis and Jeff's channels as well. So if you didn't catch it the first time, it will all be down here. Hit that subscribe button and we'll see you guys on the next show. We hope you enjoyed this episode of tube talk brought to you by VidIQ. Head over to vidiq.com slash tube talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.